Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation for today will focus on equity investing in 2023, including thoughts on return drivers, risk considerations, sector preferences, to name just a few topics we'll be covering during our conversation today. Uh, Joining me for the conversation, glad to welcome back to UBS On Air, Dan Suzuki. Dan serves as the Deputy Chief Investment Officer for Richard. Bernstein Advisors. So Dan, it's great to have you back here on UBS On Air Market Moves. As always, thank you for spending some time with our listeners, our clients. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts on the year ahead as we begin to wrap up 2022. Absolutely, Dan. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on. It's always an honor to be on your show. Thank you, Dan. And maybe we can start by acknowledging how lately much has been written about how the year ahead, it, it looks challenging for equity investors. And this, of course, coming off of what has been a challenging 2022. Of course, we're still in it with just a few weeks to go at this point. But what's your overall thinking, Dan, on the year ahead in terms of factors or themes that might drive equity returns through the course of 2023? Yeah, I, you know, I would have to agree that the, the macro backdrop does seem challenging for equities here. You know, I always come back to this, but the most important drivers of markets are, are really just three things, corporate profits, liquidity, and sentiment. And the issue for markets, at least in the U.S. for the, for the most part, is that each of those three factors present, you know, meaningful headwinds, uh, to markets at the moment. You know, we're entering our earnings recession. Liquidity is tightening on every front. And there's still a bubble making up a large weight of the U.S. market, which is one of the few markets in the world that still trades expensive relative to history. So, you know, that's not a, you know, a, a great, you know, combination of macro factors. But the one word of, of, of caution I throw out there is just to be wary of getting too caught up in the, the calendar year view of the world. The reality is that markets uh, move based on fundamentals. And fundamentals don't care about calendars. So the backdrop I'm describing is admittedly uh, one of the deteriorating fundamentals, which is why I think it makes sense to be defensively positioned here. But at some point, that's going to change. Uh, and that would warrant a change in positioning. And nobody, including us, knows exactly when that shift is going to take place. So you know, we're looking at signs that what we're looking for is signs of a bottoming of uh, profit fundamentals or some improvement in liquidity. And whether that's three weeks from now, three months from now, or three years from now, you know, that's when I think it makes the change, you know, positioning and the outlook, regardless of the calendar view of the world. But for the time being, I do agree with the general outlook that, that it makes sense to be cautious. It's a good point, Dan, how the turn of a calendar year, it's more so symbolic. And at the end of the day, it's just a number. But I do want to turn to the Fed for a few moments. Of course, the Fed has been quite influential to how markets have behaved throughout the course of 2022. We're recording here on Monday, December 12th, and we do have the Fed meeting for their policy discussion tomorrow in Washington. We'll hear the statement on Wednesday of this week. But there's been much speculation as to when we might see a pause in rate hikes and perhaps a reversal as concerns over an economic downturn seem to be mounting. So what are your expectations for monetary policy in 2023? Yeah, well, first, if you if you look back at the year so far, I think, you know, it, the inflation and the Fed have been the big, big driver of markets going uh, for so far this year. You know, it's really been all about repricing inflation and then repricing the Fed's response to inflation. But at this point, I think the market has it more or less right in that there's probably a round 
you know, 100 basis points or so more of hikes to come. But, you know, critically, I don't think that it matters all that much whether or not the Fed surprises by 25 and 15 basis points to the, to the upside or the downside. Certainly, you know, if you get a 25 or 50 basis point surprise in any one meeting, the markets will probably have a big short-term reaction to that. But I don't think that's going to have a – it's going to be the lasting, you know, driver of markets here. I think the bigger driver of markets next year is going to be growth. And, you know, slowing growth has already been helping to bring down inflation, and that will probably continue. At some point, slowing growth will lead to higher employment and increase the risk of financial market stress. So, you know, that's obviously something that people have to be, you know, prepared for. The key, the key question uh, that's going to really, you know, be the swing factor here is how fast growth slows. Most people and most outlooks are looking for a quick slowdown, and 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 there and then they're looking for growth to pick up, you know, by the midpoint of the year. But I think people have to ask themselves, what if it's a more gradual grind lower? You know, that could result in lower inflation, but uh, inflation that's stubbornly above above the Fed's target, and that means a tighter Fed policy for longer, and really no V-shaped bottom in markets, which is basically what the consensus is at this point. So I think people just have to be. Aware that that's probably that's that's one area where there could be a surprise. It's really more about the timing and the trajectory of things. So, as far as the macroeconomic outlook, recently Fed Chairman Jerome Powell, during his remarks at the Brookings Institute, indicated that a softish landing, as he put it, there's a narrow path, but it is possible. There, there's a lot of concern out there over the prospects for a recession to occur in 2023. Do you feel that's on the table, Dan? Yeah, I mean, of course it's on the table. Uh, you know, it's certainly a possibility, and and I think. I think that's essentially, you know, people focus on the op- optimistic uh, interpretation of Chairman Powell's comments. But I think if you if you use blunt layman's terms, what Chairman Powell is saying is that we're probably going into recession and that they're comfortable putting us into a recession or exacerbating that recession. And there's a small but decreasing likelihood that we avoid a recession at all. I think that's ultimately what they're trying to tell us. Uh, but, you know, to be honest, you know, recession, no recession, it's actually not a major focus uh, at our firm. Um, because if you buy the S&P 500, you're not buying GDP. You're buying a stake in the future profits of corporate America. You're not buying, so a corporate America, corporate profits, not GDP. We think we're going to enter an earnings recession, regardless of whether or not we're in an all-out economic recession. Uh, and that's the more important thing. If you look at the, the history of markets, you know, you have, you know, market crashes without without economic recessions. You have economic recessions without market crashes. But the relationship is much, much tighter when you focus on profits and profits recessions. So the fact that we're going to go into or about to enter a profits recession, that's the thing that we're keyed in on. And we think that that's a very, very high probability, which, again, argues for a more cautious stance and position. That's a very important distinction. So thank you, Dan, for reinforcing that. Maybe running with positioning a bit further in terms of allocation and anticipation of perhaps some choppy waters ahead of us. What are your thoughts when it comes to equity positioning? Thoughts on sectors, sizes, styles? Yeah, so I think from an equity perspective, you know, the, the, the fact that profits are slowing, that we're going to be in a profits recession and liquidity is going to continue to tighten, 
I think that would argue that the number one theme in the portfolio should be high-quality defense. So if you look at our positioning and our strategies, uh, if there's a defensive you know, part of the market, you know, we probably own it. From a sector perspective, that puts us overweight uh, healthcare staples and utilities. From a style and factor perspective, that puts us overweight high-quality dividend payers. Uh, and that's the number one you know, theme of the portfolio at this point until you see, again, some inflection in profits or some inflection in liquidity. That's that. All that being said, I do think Dan, that there are you know areas where you can play targeted offense here, and by by offense I mean you can own things that, despite the the, the headwinds uh, to risk, you know, still have the ability to put up double digit returns in 2023. I think you know one of those areas on the equity side, I think, is China. Now, clearly, it's had the 30 plus percent move, but a given that you know, profits are actually going to be accelerating, you know, over the next couple of quarters and liquidity continues to improve. That just presents a very different combination of macro fundamentals. You know, that's a much more positive story. So having that in the portfolio, why the fundamentals are deteriorating in almost every other market, I think makes a lot of sense. Well, thank you, Dan, for breaking that out a bit for us. It's important to have a plan when it comes to taking an offensive approach and, of course, a defensive approach, depending on how conditions materialize. Before we wrap up, Dan, any final thoughts or takeaways you would like to leave our listeners, our clients with? Dan, I think that, uh, especially at this time of year, as we're going through the holiday season, I'd hate to... uh, you know, ended on a on a sour note talking about, you know, deteriorating fundamentals. I think if you think about silver linings here, I think the, the main silver lining here is that despite the challenging fundamental backdrop, backdrop, you're getting way better bang for your buck when you buy stocks today than you did going into the year. So the last thing that clients should be doing is at this point going fully to cash. As painful as it's been to see asset values down like this, they are years like this are very positive for wealth creation. The worst thing that you could have if you're trying, as you're trying to accumulate long-term wealth is a market that goes up 10% a year. You know, the best thing you can have is, is these down years or even down decades, where again, when you put money to work, you're getting more value out of that dollar you're spending. So I think that, you know, people need to, to stay invested here, continue to, Stick to the plan if that plan involves continuing to invest. And if you're scared about or worried about the short-term volatility, I think you really have three options to sort of help you through that. One, and, and it, the first one is probably not one that I necessarily advocate, is time it yourself. You know, try to try to be risk-off uh, and then get risk-on when the opportunities present themselves. You know, that's been you know shown to be very difficult, but that's one option. You know, the second one is to sort of take the timing risk out of it and dollar cost average in, and, and I say in, not out, uh, of the market uh, to take advantage of these cheaper valuations. And, you know, your third option, obviously self-serving, so you can question the source, is to use a tactical manager that's going to be looking at this on a daily basis and looking at those fundamentals about when to take off risk and when to add risk and where to add that risk but essentially, at the end of the day, whether whatever option you choose, I think the critical point is that you want to, to stay invested, take advantage of markets the worst they get. And, and lastly, if bear markets always signal a change in leadership, to be looking outside of just U.S. large cap growth, which has clearly been the leadership of the last cycle, not necessarily the future cycle. 
Well, Dan, that's very valuable guidance to leave our listeners with, especially during these uncertain times, though. Thank you again for dropping by UBS On Air Market Moves, and thank you for all of your input and insights throughout the course of 2022. I know you've joined us a few times here on the podcast, and certainly looking forward to picking back up with our conversation in the new year, though in the meantime, I wish you and yours a happy and healthy holiday season, and looking forward to having you back again with us soon, Dan. Always a pleasure, Dan. Happy holidays to you as well. Thank you, everybody, for listening in. Thank you, Dan. And again, today we have been joined by Dan Suzuki, the Deputy Chief Investment Officer for Richard Bernstein Advisors, RBA, from UBS Studios. I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Financial Services, Inc., or its affiliates and its employees are not affiliated with any third-party speakers mentioned. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreement and disclosures that we provide to you about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review Client Relationship Summary provided at UBS.com forward slash Relationship Summary or ask your UBS Financial Advisor for a copy.